this morning. What do you guys get all excited for? Man, isn't Jesus enough? That's enough to get me going for sure. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in the presence of God. If you're a guest here this morning, welcome to Eastgate Church. My name is Josh. I get the privilege of pastoring this thing, which means that I'm the lead servant in the house. So if I can do anything to serve you or uh, any questions I can answer, anything I can do to pray for you before you leave here today, please don't jet out. I'm not the, the pastor that you can't come talk to. Try to be the most approachable person in the room. So uh, before you get out of here, uh, make sure that, that we at least say, hey, what's up, fist bump, shake hands, whatever, and, uh, and uh, that way man, we can connect a little bit before you leave. Look at all of y'all here on Labor Day weekend in the house of God. And I tell you, so many, so many churches cancel service on Sundays like this just because they know ain't nobody going to be showing up to church. And while we're lighter than we normally would be on a Sunday, look at y'all showing up. That says a lot about you. I'm just telling you. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, good job showing up. Yeah, y'all showed up, unlike some of the college football teams yesterday. Man. It's a brutal, brutal week one, I'm telling you, uh, it, it, and it's officially smack-talking season, right? It's official now, it's official, so as long as you do it with love, it's legal, right? So, uh, and I tell you, I'm passionate about football, I'm passionate about college football for sure. I'm more passionate about Jesus, though, yes. I'm telling you. Um, we're going to continue this little series that we've got going here at the church called Storyteller, looking at the parables of Jesus. Some of the most powerful teaching Jesus did was through parables, and we're going to be digging into that in just a little bit. I tell you, though, I love, one of the things I love most about our church is that we have a heart for the community. And I know a lot of churches do, but it's just, I mean, we, we have a focus on reaching people in our community. How many of you would say that you know somebody that's just going through some junk and could use a little bit of Jesus in their life? How many of you know somebody like that? Yeah, me too. Um, I could put up both hands and both feet. I just know a ton of people, they're hurting, you know, and I just want them to know this Jesus that I know. And that's why I think we should make the most of every opportunity that we have as believers to share our faith with others, not preach at them, you know, but I tell you what, if you walk through a little bit of life and Jesus is seeing you through, when other people are walking through a little bit of life, we can point them to that Jesus because we've been there and done that. You know what I mean? And that's what it's all about, just leading people. All roads lead to Jesus. And your staff and leadership have been praying, and we really feel like we need to put another date on this calendar before the year is out where we just go all in and invite everyone that we know that's going through some stuff and needs some Jesus in their life to church and we target that whole service towards leading those people towards Jesus. What do you think? So, I mean, we've got Fall Fest rolling up, and that's going to be a great community event that we do to serve the community. Over 3,000 people are going to be here. We're just going to give them some Jesus that night. We've got Christmas coming up, which, by the way, um, you, uh, all the information has gone out to a lot of people. We're starting rehearsals and practices for the Christmas stuff really soon, so be ready for that. But we thought, we don't want to wait till Christmas. Let's put a date on the calendar. So September 24th. Just going to go ahead and tell you, September 24th, 
of the end of this month, we're going to turn that into a Target Sunday to reach as many people as we possibly can for Jesus. So this is what I need. If you would pretty please, especially if you're an Eastgate family, if you're a guest, you're, getting a, you're at least getting a glimpse of the heart of this church. We want to reach people for Jesus. So listen, um, if you're part of the Eastgate family or guest and you want to participate, help me by starting to pray now for September 24th. Help me by beginning to pray for the people that you're going to invite and bring in. I got something in my spirit. I'm just telling you, the whole service is just going to be next level and geared towards reaching people for Jesus. Uh, it's going to be powerful. I, I want to see more people saved on September 24th than we saw get saved at Christmas last year. Can we do that? What do y'all think about that? Okay, about half of us are like, whoo, that's awesome. Let's try that again. I'm talking about reaching people for Jesus and coming together as a church to make it happen. What do y'all think about that? Can we do that? Man. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm so, I'm so pumped and excited about it. So we're going to call it Eastgate One Day. On that one day, we're going to invite as many people as we can in here and see what the Holy Spirit does to impact and change people's lives. Everybody watching online, big welcome. Thank you all for joining us. Listen, you can participate on that day too. Get in the house, bring somebody with you. It's just going to be a lot of fun. Are you all ready to dive into this message today? Yeah. Cannot wait to get into this word. It's funny, given conversations that I've had with people over the, the last few days, the title kind of fits. We're going to talk about toils, soils, and seeds. Uh, a nice little parable that Jesus dropped on the people that I think can really apply to us today. Um, you guys like farming? Yes. yes. How many of y'all have, even if it's just like a little square foot garden thing, you've got like some kind of garden at your house where you grow stuff? Yeah, growing up, um, we, all, mom and dad were always messing with some kind of, of garden, whether we were growing tomatoes or peppers or okra. Um, squash, a whole lot of squash, a whole lot of watermelon. You know, watermelon people in the house, y'all like watermelon? I hate watermelon. Not as much as I hate Brussels sprouts, but uh, by the way, thank y'all, everyone who sent me, who texted me pictures of Brussels sprouts over the last week. Appreciate that. Last week I said I just hate Brussels sprouts, so this church, being the church that it is, I got blown up with Brussels sprouts all week. I went out to, we went out to dinner, uh, it was Friday, I think, yeah, picking our, like the Fantasy Football League, um, doing our draft, and uh, one of the people ordered Brussels sprouts and ate them in front of me. I was like, here, you want some of these things? I offered to share. It's just evil. Y'all are wrong doing what you're doing. So I like, uh, I like the garden thing. I like being able to grow my own stuff, you know, I, I, I like that aspect, and um, this parable that Jesus is dropping has a lot to do with the process of farming. It has a lot to do with uh, sowing seeds. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3. He told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Everybody say, the path. And the birds came in and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, somebody say rocky places, where it didn't have much soil and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, somebody say the thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still another seed fell on good soil, everybody say it's good. 
fell on good soil where it produced a crop. Now look at this. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And I love this next little line. Then the disciples came to him and asked, uh, why do you speak to the people in parables? We get this picture of Jesus sometimes. I don't know if you do this. When I read the Bible, like I picture Jesus like in his white glowy robe speaking to people. I picture Jesus having this authority and tone in his voice and like the winds blowing in his face and his hair is like flopping around and he just has this, just this diva kind of moment while he's teaching, you know. I like lines like this that are in the Bible that kind of bring it down to a human level. He gives this parable and then the disciples come to him later and like, bro, why are you always talking in parables when you talk to people, like, why, why do you do that? Have you ever wanted to ask Jesus sometimes, like, why do you do that? Like, why, why, why do I have to go through this? Why are you letting that happen in my life right now? I've been praying about this stuff for, like, five years. Why do I have to go back in and pray again? Like, why, why do you wait a season before answering prayer sometimes? Why, why do you not heal everybody that i pray for why why there's just that question there like, why do you speak to the people in parables i love this i love this I, I love the humanity of it all now reading back through this you know there were some there was seed that was thrown on the path some on rocky ground um and some uh some that just landed on good soil and it all worked out some landed on thorns and it didn't work out when the seed landed where it was supposed to land, the seed did what it was supposed to do, right? The first thing we can dig out in this whole parable is that there's nothing wrong with the seed. The issue is with the soil. The issue is with the soil. There's nothing wrong with the seed. I think if you had to pick a theme for this parable, it like this, the soil and, and all that plays a part in it, but the soil, you'll find out, represents certain things. I think what Jesus is getting at here is the secret on how to be consistent in our walk with God and in our spiritual development. Because the seed represents what? The Word of God, right? The seed's always good. The seed's always going to produce. The issue becomes the soil. It becomes the soil. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The issue is with the soil. You know, um, all scripture is from God and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking so that we can be thoroughly equipped, the Bible says, for every good service. The word of God is living and active, the Bible says. You think about that when you're reading the word. You're not just reading a book. You're reading something that is literally alive spiritually can get inside of you to produce the change that he wants to produce in our lives. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God gives us everything we need for life and godliness through his Spirit. Amen? The Word of God is inseparable from Jesus in himself because Jesus is the Word. Amen? So uh, Jesus isn't just somebody we're praying to or someone we have a relationship with, but if you're trying to find a way to get to the next level in your walk with God, 
Praying is awesome, but there is no substitute for getting the Word of God inside of you. So the seed has to land on good soil in order for it to produce. 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown, the Bible says. So um, question for you before we get too far into this. If you had to look at your life objectively, outside and looking at your life, are you producing a crop? I'll get churchy for you. Are you bearing fruit spiritually? Because if the Word of God is landing on soil that is correct, and we'll, we'll dig into this in just a little bit, then the crops should produce, yeah. right? Yeah. It'd be very frustrating to go through the process of planting something and then it not grow. You ever had that happen? Yeah. Man, spiritually though, that doesn't happen if you are letting it be planted correctly. What, what kind of fruit are we producing? You know, like, so, so look objectively, and, and, and listen, this is just for thought. I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm not trying to, like, hammer anybody. Just think about it objectively in your life, because this is what I do. When I read the Word of God, I disengage the, the, the little holy church guy, and I say, okay, if I am going to look at myself objectively and let the Word do what it needs to do in my life, i got to be honest with myself, you know? So let's have an honest moment. The fruit of your life, does, does a spiritual fruit in your life lead people to Jesus? Does a spiritual fruit in your life have people coming to you for prayer? Does a spiritual fruit in your life have people wanting to get around you because they want to get a, they want to get a glimpse of why you are the way that you are spiritually? Does the fruit that you produce make Jesus so irresistible that people have to ask you, what is different Amen. about you? Yeah, you know, what, what kind of fruit are we producing? Or does the fruit that you produce or maybe don't produce take that whole spiritual aspect and put the focus on you? True spiritual fruit is about impacting others and the benefit of others because it flows out. It flows out of what's happening inside of you. You understand? If the depth of your relationship with God is what you can get from Him, the issues that you're facing in your life, and you go up to church, which there's nothing wrong with coming to church to receive something. I think we all should want to receive something from the presence of God, but it can't all be about you just going through the struggle of showing up here. Who comes to church with you? Who are you inviting? You know what I'm saying? What, what is the spiritual fruit? Is it about others in Jesus, or does it land on you? So... All of this stuff makes a big difference because if the seed doesn't reach the right soil on the inside of us, we can't produce the 30, 60, and 100 times. It dies out. And I think this message that Jesus is dropping through this parable is focusing on the things, like shutting off the things that cause us to die out and focusing on how we can be successful in our walk with God. How many of you would love to be successful in your walk with God? Yeah, okay. So the key to being successful in your walk with God is popcorn. Popcorn. Are y'all feeling it this morning? Did anybody? It makes you want to shout just a little bit. Popcorn. I love going to the movie theater, and I love getting popcorn when I go. 
Um, and, and how many of y'all go crazy and get the butter when you go to the movies? Yeah, you're not supposed to, but how do you not? You know, I get it. I get it. Uh, we like to make popcorn at home sometimes when we do movie nights. I love popcorn. But the key, the key to this whole thing can be gleaned from the example of popcorn. How does popcorn become popcorn? How does popcorn become popcorn? <clears throat> like, when you put the bag in the microwave, how does it become popcorn? How do we get the pop, 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 and that just, it's like applause, kind of like bacon frying. It's like it gives itself a round of applause. It's like, you know, when popcorn's popping, it's like it's giving itself a standing ovation because it knows how good it's going to be. Or if you go, like if you're a popcorn purist and you like to make it like in a pan on the, on the stove, or um, like in one of those little popcorn makers specifically, for, that's how you're off your bougie popcorn people. I get it. Um, so what makes it become popcorn, though? There's a process that happens. I hate when I get a bag of popcorn or a batch of popcorn and not every kernel becomes popcorn. Yeah. Isn't that the most aggravating thing? Yeah. Just like look at it and you're like, could have been so much there, but no, no popcorn. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, <clears throat> you don't want that. What makes popcorn popcorn is this. Not a lot of people realize this, but those little kernel of corn, as dry as it is, has a little bit of moisture inside of it. And when the microwave goes to work or the, the heat on the stove gets just right or your little Jiffy Pop thing is working like it's supposed to, the outside environment causes the water on the inside of this kernel to become steam. The moisture becomes steam. And it begins to push against the outer shell of the kernel. Okay? So that given enough time, what's on the inside of that kernel pop, explodes into something else. This is what Jesus is talking about. Man, if you want that life, that walk with God that's just pop, 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 just popping all the time, you've got to make sure that you've got the stuff on the inside so that when the environment is right, you explode with spiritual fruit instead of being some dead kernel in the bag. You know what I'm saying? It, you want to be able to explode when the conditions are right, when the environment is right. You want so much on the inside of you that you can't contain it, that it overflows out. Somebody say overflow. I know it's Labor Day weekend, and we got a lot of fun stuff we want to do in a little bit, but let's focus on what God wants to do in our lives today because I think this might be a game changer for somebody in the house today. Really do. I really think it might. It was... Like every week when I pray and prepare for this, God is always working on me, I think, more than he works on anybody else, uh, which is how it's supposed to work. Popcorn, popcorn, popcorn. Psalm 119 reads like this. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Who hides the word of God in our heart? Yeah, we need some more coffee in it. Maybe somebody online, you're shouting in it. I can hear you right now. Just write it in the comments. I feel you. So we are 
We are responsible. David was writing, this is your word have I hidden, have I planted, have I put in me. Why? So that I might not sin against you. I put in your word in me because I know there's going to come a time when I'm going to need it to produce the fruit of righteousness in my life. And if I don't get it in now, it's not going to have time to grow and produce when I need something to stand on. We are responsible for putting the word inside of us. And, and I get it. I get, I get what you're thinking right now, some of you, because I've thought it too. That sounds awesome. How? How? Well, it makes good preaching, doesn't it? We need the word of God inside us. Somebody say word. word. You need a word every day. You got to have the word in your heart. You got to, it's great preaching, but practically, how the junk does this work? How do you get it inside of you? How, how do you do that? Well, here's a Captain Obvious answer. Read it. Read it. In order to read it, you need to have time to read it. So you change the schedule to line up with the priority of getting the Word of God inside of you. Some of the, some of the problem is we don't prioritize it. We... We take care of what's urgent instead of what's important in life, I think. So reading it is, is, is one thing. Um, it's crazy that three out of four of the examples that Jesus uses fail to produce a crop. And I think that's pretty accurate with life in general with people. As a pastor, when I talk to people... The majority of the issues that we face, it's not the devil's beating us up. It's just that we're not activating the truth of the Word of God and letting it produce what it's supposed to produce in our lives. Yeah. It's just the truth. Um, so the question becomes then, how do you do that? And I was thinking about this and praying about this, and this is what I want to do. We won't have time to do this today, but this is what I'll do. I'm not going to say, do this, and I'd equip you to do this. How many of y'all know First Wednesday is this week here at our church? Yeah. What is First Wednesday? So First Wednesday is what it sounds like. The first Wednesday of the month, we all gather together here, and uh, it's like the only time we do a midweek service, the first Wednesday of the month, and we have a time of worship and prayer and, and sometimes equipping and teaching. What I'm going to do this Wednesday is I am going to give you a bulletproof way to devour the Word of God and get it inside of you, like a next level system for Bible study. I'm going to equip you on how to do it. And I just tell you what to do. I'm going to show you how to do it. I'll show you what I do. I'll walk you through my process. I'll show you how to be effective in this. And I'll show you how to go as deep with this as you want to. Does that sound okay? Okay. So some of you, that's been the big part of it. You can't get rhythm with it because you don't have like structure with it. And, and I want to make sure that we're not just preaching, but we're equipping and discipling. So if you want that, that's definitely going to be a, a solid 20 to 30 minutes of first Wednesday, barring what the Holy Spirit does. But I'm going to equip us on how to get the word of God inside of us because it's very important. But I say between now and then, just read a little bit. Just read a little bit because it's living and active. It will do a work in your life and begin to get that seed inside of you so you can begin to produce some fruit. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, so that's what we're going to do. But let's, for the, for the rest of the time that we have here, let's look at these people groups that Jesus describes here. And I bet you we're going to see ourselves in one of them 
and it will help give us a plan of attack. You know, the Word of God isn't to shame us. The Word of God is to expose areas, speak truth into it, to give us a plan for overcoming areas in our lives that we need victory in. So the Word of God equips us to do all this stuff. So Matthew chapter 13, Jesus comes back with his disciples, and he begins to break down what the, this parable of the sower actually means. In Matthew 13, starting in verse 18, he says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Anyone who hears the message about the kingdom of God does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. And I love this. In every garden or in every field, you're going to have the rows that the seeds are planted in. And then you're going to have the path in between the rows. So this is the seed that kind of falls on the path. The birds come in representing the enemy coming in and doing what he does. The Bible says that the enemy, the devil, has only got a three-part plan for everybody. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. All right? Everything falls into those three categories, and everything becomes bait for that. So when we have issues with the Word of God that we're trying to get a, a grip on, we don't fully understand, we're not fully activating it or walking in it, that's where the devil thrives is what Jesus is saying. How many of you would say a big part of the struggle or the opposition that you face in being consistent spiritually lies with the enemy just attacking you in this season? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to attack. I guarantee you, if you're breathing today, the devil's going to attack you. Guarantee you. It's going to happen. All right? Um, there, there's going to be something. There's going to be something that will come up. The enemy will attack. The enemy is going to attack. And I will give you a pro tip here. All right? To pay attention to where he attacks and how he attacks. And I bet you a McDonald's ice cream for most of us, is going to be the same area over and over and over and over and over again. Somehow, some way, something's going to trigger your anger. Something's going to cause you to have anxiety. Something's going to take you into a depression. Somebody's going to say something to hurt your feelings. It's going to take you back to 20 years ago. It's going to be the same thing over and over and over again. And I, here's the pro tip. Now, I don't know if you've caught on to this yet, but the enemy will keep hitting you in the same area until he sees it doesn't work anymore. And for some of us, this is a huge battle that we're in, and one of the reasons why that seed cannot land in the good soil because we had not learned how to establish guardrails in our lives to keep us away from the cliffs and the drop-offs to keep us on the road that God wants us to be on. We had not learned how to close the door on the devil, and he's just running the same play over and over and over again in our lives. And football season is going on right now, and if you're if you're coaching a team and you see and you see that the other team can't stop a play that you're running, you know what you're going to do? You're going to run that joker until the wheels fall off of it or until somebody can stop it. I was at a football game one time and the offense just kept running bubble screens. Bubble screens, bubble screens, bubble screens. You know, I just couldn't believe it. What's a bubble screen? Quarterback gets the ball, quickly turns, and we'll hit a wide receiver or a back over on the side and try to spread the defense out get it, get, to get the ball to the edge before the defense can respond so they can just take off. It just runs the defense to death. 
one side of the field to the other. And I watched this team just wear out this other team. Bubble screen, bubble screen, bubble screen. They'd run the ball. Bubble screen, bubble screen. Bu like, it was so bad. Everybody in the stands were like, bubble screen. You know, what they're going to run. And I bet you, if we were a crowd looking at you on the field right now, some of us, we'd just be shouting, bubble screen. Just pay attention to what's happening. He's running the same play on you all day long. Adjust and position and get ready for it. Guys, we need to shut the door on the enemy. We need to shut the door on the enemy. Let me remind you of who he is. A little bitty angel and a whole lot of trouble. That's who he is. Is he defeated? Oh, listen. Do we have authority over him in the name of Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, do we fight to get victory or do we fight with victory? With victory, right? We're winners. The only shot he's got, the Bible says, is to tempt us according to our own desires that are in our hearts. He throws the bait on what we already want to do or what we're already, we already have a proclivity to be weak in. And then he tries to reel us in and hook us to get us to sin. Same cycle, same cycle, over and over. We need to break that cycle. If he's defeated, uh, the Bible says that we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes, right? I hope this is freedom to somebody in here because you've got something up here that tells you you've got to be a punching bag for the devil. Well, I'm just trying to serve God, but the devil's just been hitting me hard. Hit him back! Yeah. Knock that joker on his butt! Put him where he's supposed to be. You are not a victim. You are a child of the Most High God with the authority that Jesus gave you. He is under your feet. Don't use him as a cop-out. Put him in his place. With love in my heart towards everyone. Just saying, man, because you don't have to. You don't have to. So, so you got this first group where the enemy's hammering and it stops the consistency it stops the fruit from taking place it stops the process and then he goes to another group of people um in in matthew 13 skipping down to verse 20 says the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy everybody go woohoo Woo all right but since they have no root they last only a short time when trouble, uh, here comes the T word, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Yeah. These people get excited real easy. Um, you'll see a lot of these people in church on Sunday where they get excited and motivated by the word, but there's not a lot of depth to their soil. Yeah. And so the seed that's planted like in moments like this when the word of God is going out, it gets you motivated, it gets you excited. And you're like, man, this is just, ah, God is speaking to me. This was so awesome. I hit another level in worship today. It was just amazing until somebody cuts you off on Tuesday. Yeah. And you forget all about it. And you go limping back into the next Sunday or limping into first Wednesday like we'll have this week. You don't have to do that doesn't have to be short-lived. I call them bottle rocket Christians. Yeah. You know, like you like the fuse. They go up in the air. Woo, God is awesome. This is amazing. I'm going to conquer the world. Woo. You know what I mean? 
Like, I can look back and I can see, like, in, in my life where I had seasons where I did that. You know, because I was, I was trying to be a, a mile wide and an inch deep, pretty much. Um, instead of working on getting some kind of spiritual depth. If you're taking notes, write this down. Spiritually maturing people do consistently what the immature do occasionally. If you want to mature, you do consistently what other people do occasionally. What does that mean? Consistently in the Word of God. Consistently in prayer. Consistently in that relationship with Jesus. Not just Sunday to Sunday to Sunday or Sunday to Tuesday to maybe Thursday, limping back into Sunday. No, consistently. If you want good soil, you have to consistently prep the soil so that the seed of the Word of God can produce what it needs to produce. Make sense? Um, see this all the time. God will speak to people and they get excited. I know what God's called me to do and it's going to be great until they get the first taste of opposition from the enemy because they know where to attack and they tap out. Or people will sign up to commit to an area of ministry until it becomes work. Hey, you know, newsflash, ministry's work. Man, we, the, the leadership of this church does not float around like four inches above the carpet, praying everywhere, and then things just magically happen because of the anointing on Sundays or when we have meetings or anything like that. You got to work, man. Um, it's fun until it's not fun. You got to be consistent. Look at the person next to you and say, be consistent. Be consistent. Be consistent. There's got to be some consistency to it. And the third group that he begins to deal with here, I just, this is amazing to me. Uh, the seed falling among the thorns refers to some who hear, someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So, the worries of life and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. <clears throat> I think it's interesting. First one, the enemy comes in and he steals because that's what he does, steal, kill, and destroy. The second one, um, there's not a lot of depth, so hot heat hits it and it withers because there's no root there and it dies. This third one, the word doesn't die. Just says it's choked. It's cut off. It's cut off. It's still there. It's just not getting what it needs because of being choked by the worries of life and the deceit of wealth. So like you have a concept of God. You have a concept of a relationship with Jesus. And the word is, is kind of there. But you're ineffective and unproductive because you're distracted by all the stuff that life is throwing at you. And you're distracted because there's been a priority shift and instead of wealth being a blessing used to bless others, wealth becomes something to be obtained to benefit yourself and you fall into that trap and you're just deceived. I see more people ineffective and unproductive because they're distracted by what's going on in life. Jesus dealt with this in another passage of Scripture. He said, you know, don't, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or, or all, the all the stuff that the world is, is after. He goes, they chase after all of that stuff. Yeah. Then he says, hey, 
your dad in heaven knows what you need. Okay, so don't chase that stuff first. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all that other stuff will be given to you as well. You keep the priority, the priority. And you don't allow life to take away from what God is wanting to do in you. There's, there are ministries in this room that have not happened yet because you're distracted by life. There's victory in this room that hasn't happened yet because you're overwhelmed and distracted by life instead of prioritizing God and putting him first. There are families that are dysfunctional and you're, fi- I don't know if there really is such a thing as a functional family. I don't know, but it just, but it, there's, there's spiritual conflict and things are out of balance because y'all are scattered all over the place instead of settling on putting God first as a family. There's friction in marriages because you're trying to do it your way instead of doing it God's way. You've got to put him first because it's choking out what he wants to do in your life. Your choice. Your choice. It's crazy. People lose out on stuff. Man, if, if you're going to do this, do this. Make Jesus a priority. Make the Word of God a priority. Let everything else fall where it's going to fall, but you put Jesus first. You understand me? Don't chase wealth. Chase Jesus. And if Jesus knows that he can trust your heart because it belongs to him, you better get ready for the blessing that's going to get poured out in your life. Listen, we serve a God that operates in overflow. You understand that? So... He, he's the God that does exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. When we put him first financially, he says what? He's going to pour out a blessing that's what? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That doesn't mean you're going to be rich. It could mean financially you're blessed. But I would rather live a blessed life than a stressed life trying to get rich. You know what I mean? There's a whole lot more that goes with the blessing than the finances. He's a God of overflow. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're filled to uh, just a little bit. No, to overflowing. And so we're supposed to represent that in our lives and allow overflow to take place from the seed that's planted inside of us as we produce the fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. What kind of produce or fruit are we producing? Makes you wonder. Galatians, Paul kind of deals with this. He comes back and he says, You were running a good race. Who cut in to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. You were running a good race. You had it going on. What stopped you? What kept you from producing? What kept you from getting the victory? What kept you from instilling peace in your family? What kept you from being the dad that you know you're called to be? What kept you from being the mother that you're called to be? What kept you from being the student and impacting your school that you know that you're called to be? What came in and cut you off? What got your focus sideways so you started chasing money instead of the heart of God? What got you off track and so full of this world that is choking out what God intended to do in you. Who? What? What? What happened? And then he says, "What? Who cut in? 
And for three out of four in this parable, now we can blame the devil and we can blame the rocks in our soil and look back on all the junk that's happened to us in life and say, well, I would do it, but I can't get over. And maybe you can't, but God can if you give it to him. And we can blame what we're not doing for the kingdom of God and how we're not growing on what's happening in life. But if we're honest in our heart of hearts, we know that stuff's going to happen to us. The victory is in how we choose to respond to it. I'll say it again. The victory is in how we choose to respond to it. And you're not going to know how to respond if that word is not in you. It's a playbook. It's a road map. That last group that Jesus talked about, now that's where the seed dropped on the good soil. And I'd encourage everybody in here to do your best to be in that group. You're going to blink, and this life is going to be over. I've got a 14-year-old daughter. I looked at my wife the other day, and I was like, man, we've got four years with this one and then maybe she moves on to school maybe she moves on to life it's sobering reality check you know yesterday yesterday I was 25 it's crazy it goes by so fast I don't know about you but I just I don't want to waste the life and the opportunities that I've been given and I I want to make sure that I look in the eyes of my kid and know that I'm setting the example that they're going to follow. I want to know that that when God needed me somewhere that I showed up and did what I was supposed to do and I wasn't distracted by the stuff going on in life and you're responsible and you deal with it but dealing with it and being distracted by it are two completely different things that that I allow myself to heal man you want to learn how to heal become a pastor <laughs> six months will do you you'll, you'll either be in counseling somewhere out in Alaska staring at a tree or you will learn how to heal I guarantee you um, I want to make sure that I'm closing the door on the enemy and for no other reason so that people can look at my life and see that it can be done. You don't have to be the victim. We don't have to, to project all of the stuff that we're responsible for on other things and use them as the unspoken cop-out in church. You know, I'm dealing with this, I'm struggling with this, I'm fighting with this. Yeah, I get it, but why not overcome it? You know, and, and I, I'm not delegitimizing what you're going through or what you're fighting with or even how the enemy's hammering you. What I'm saying is, Jesus made a way. He made a way. Why would we want to live down here when we could thrive up here? You know what I mean? To thrive up here. To be that unstoppable force in our world that God's called us to be. And it all comes down to whether or not we're good popcorn or not. What do we have on the inside of us when life hits and the pressure hits? I don't know about you, but I want to produce fruit. I don't know about you, but listen, I ain't got all this figured out yet. I'm still working on this. But with the stuff I can control, I want to make sure 
that I'm landing where the Bible says I'm supposed to land. You know what I mean? I guess a good question is not what kind of fruit you're producing or even what kind of soil do you have. The better question is what kind of soil are we going to have? What kind of fruit are we going to produce? It's a choice. It's a choice. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you for the truth of your word, for what you're speaking to us today. On a holiday weekend, Lord, you have tailor-made and brought forth this word for those that are hearing it right now. And that tells me that you care enough about the people in this room and those watching online and those that will listen later. You care enough about them and me to speak to us today, to remind us of the potential inside of us, to remind us that we're not the victim, that we're not caught up in a whirlwind of life, that, that we are not a prisoner to the things that become rocks in our soil, that we can get those things out and step away from the pressures and distractions of life and shut the door on the enemy and step into becoming mature, fruit-bearing Christians because of the word that's planted in us. Trees and plants that don't produce the fruit or the crops that they're supposed to are immature. Lord, we want to reach maturity to begin to produce. Lord, show us the first step in being consistent is just simply opening up your word and allowing it to get inside of us. You got to start somewhere. Someday, one day, that's great for conversation, but today is where you work the most. Lord, let us all decide to put you first and to do our part to make sure that the soil that we have is ready for the seed that you're going to put in because this is about a whole lot more than just us. You said that we would do greater things than you. Father, let us produce the fruit that is greater. Let us live in that overflow that you intended. Father, we are, but also the truth of where we can be in you. Don't let us settle for anything less than your best, Father. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. All of this stuff that we've talked about today sounds great. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't mean anything. And I don't want to take for granted that everyone in this room is ready to stand before God. The Bible says that one day we all will. And a book of life will be opened up. And our name is either going to be in that book of life when God judges us, or it won't be. And whether or not we go to heaven and spend eternity with him or hell is our choice in moments like this. God doesn't send people to hell. We literally choose to do it ourselves because we reject the one that he sent to pay the price for us for the forgiveness of the sin that would send us there. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus? The beautiful thing about that question is right now, you, either, you know the answer. It's either yes or no. It's not maybe. And I can tell you, I can tell you this, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Believing in God 
doesn't make you a Christian. The Bible says that demons in hell believe in God and tremble with fear. Believing in God doesn't get you anything. It's do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you made him Savior and Lord of your life? And if you're here today and that hasn't happened for you, or maybe once upon a time it did and you've just drifted a million miles away from that relationship, I want to give you an opportunity now to get that right. And I want to count to three, and if you're in this room and you know that some stuff you need to get right, you're not ready to stand before the Lord, you've let repetitive sin and compromise and just outright rebellion back into your life, and you know it doesn't reflect the life you should be living or the relationship with Jesus that you should have. And I count to three, and I want you to lift your eyes and look at me. I want to pray with you and get this right. I'm not going to single you out or embarrass you. This is between you and me. And those watching online, between you and me. But I want you to respond. Because I feel like there's somebody in the house today that needs to make this step. So if that's you on the count of three, lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. If that's you, I see yours. Once you lift them up, you can, I see yours, I see yours. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. It's outstanding. God's speaking to us this morning just a little bit longer, just in case there's one more. I want to make sure that I'm praying for everyone that needs it today. I see yours. It's awesome. I love what the Lord is doing. Let's all stand to our feet this morning if we can. I love this. We had four individuals that said, there's some stuff we need to get right today. Now, I know this. This place, the rest of us are about to go crazy. I don't know if you realize this or not. The Bible says that when one comes to know him, that there is a huge party in heaven and the angels are rejoicing. Isn't that awesome? I love that. So, yeah, we're about to go nuts at the, at the end of this prayer that we're about to pray because we're excited for you. And I kind of want to try to match what heaven is doing, just to be honest with you. Um, but if you lifted your eyes and you said, I need to make a change, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And we're going to repent of some sin. We're going to uh, make sure that we confess Jesus as Lord and that we acknowledge him for who he is. It's not a magical prayer. God responds to your heart. Um, but I'm going to lead you in this so that we can just put a period on this thing and be done with it. Everybody in here is going to pray after me and pray along with you because at this church, nobody walks alone. But we got your back. So if you lifted your eyes, pray this and mean it from your heart. Everyone else, pray this after me. And let's make sure that they're not walking alone in this. Here we go. Jesus, Jesus. thank you. For dying for my sin. I repent of that sin. Which means I walk away from it. I don't want it. I want you. Thank you for saving me. You are my Lord and Savior. That means you're the boss. That means I serve you. And one day at a time, one step at a time, I'll serve you as you change me from the inside out. Thank you for being my Savior. Now let's give God a shout of praise in the place.
awesome day. You can be seated if you can. Rachel, come on up and talk us through some stuff. Don't forget First Wednesday coming up. I love y'all. Let's have an awesome rest of the day. Woo! Hey, y'all. How are you? Some of you. There's one of you's good. Um, that was an awesome service. Thank you, Pastor Josh, for listening and bringing that to us. Listen, I know Jesus. I've known him for a long time. My, pa- my dad was a pastor, but that doesn't mean anything if I don't have him, right? And so sometimes Pastor Josh tucks and steps on my toes. The Holy Spirit talks there, Pastor Josh, and steps on my toes. So I encourage you, it's an everyday thing, your own relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen, y'all. So it's a beautiful day. We're ending up service. I've got a few things I want to tell you before we get out of here, though. We are going to take up our offering. I want to talk to you real quick about scripture. First Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. It says, tell everyone who's rich in money in the world to not depend on their money because it's so unreliable, right? You should be generous and give, and then you're building up treasure for the future, okay? That also applies to us folks who live by a very strict budget. No, baby, you don't. I live by a very strict budget. That also applies. Don't depend on your money because it's so unreliable. We should be generous when God calls us to and do all the things he calls us to do with our money. So our ushers are going to come. We're going to give. If you're a guest here, we're not after your money. That's not the point of this. The point is we want to talk to you about what the Bible says, being generous and giving and following his word. So our ushers are going to come. If it's in your heart, the Lord's laying on you to give. Be faithful. There's a few ways that you can give. There should be a giving envelope in the seat pocket in front of you. You have cash or check that way. You can go online to our website, eastgatechurch.cc. You can text to give. Text the keyword EastgateGA to 77977. Or we have a super awesome app that you can download. You can give that way. You can listen to our sermons. You can stay up to date on all of those things. So you can download that if you'd like. But I'm going to pray over you, and then our gentlemen are going to serve you. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for being with us always and being faithful despite of what's going on in life and despite of everything that we have experienced. Lord, I pray anointing over this offering, every single penny that's given, that you would multiply it to do the things you've called us to do. I pray that you would meet our needs and help us to be faithful in our giving and help us to be faithful in our love for you. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today after service, y'all, we're having a class called 101. It's not really class. It's more of a meeting, hangout. If you've been with us for a little while, you don't really know much about what we've got going on here, this is the class for you. It's an opportunity for you to come, just hear about the different things that we do here at Eastgate. Maybe you want to get information about getting involved. Maybe you just want to know what we've got going on. You're not committing to anything, but it is directly after service. It's going to be down this hallway in the four- and five-year-old classroom that our e-kids use. Um, give us a couple minutes, and we'll meet you in there, and it's going to be a great time for you to learn uh, what we got going on. There is a picture of me in the slideshow. It's not a great picture, so just picture this face you're looking no okay anyway there's a it's gonna be fun it's gonna be great and today we are not having e-students so we normally have our e-students middle and high school kids at five o'clock on Sundays we're not going to do that today it's a holiday we want you to spend time with your kids enjoy being with them go hiking go sit at your house and watch a movie spend time with your kids spend time with them let them see who you really are amen and so this week we also have first Wednesday 
the first Wednesday of every month, we all get together, we have worship, maybe there's a little bit of talking, we really kind of let God lead it, the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be this Wednesday, 7 o'clock in here, I encourage you to come out. It's not going to be super long, it's just a time for us to get together, pray over each other, and have another time to be together in the Lord. Amen. Now ladies, we've got this thing called Women of Valor. Yeah, there's my W.O.V. ladies back there. So what is Women of Valor? It is a women's discipleship class, right? It's not just a Bible study. We come together as women, women of the Word, and we pray, and we teach you what does the Bible say? What is the Holy Spirit? How do I pray? How do I read the Bible? All of those different things that you can do. It's a nine-month program. We're going to start on September 11th and go all the way through May. Amen. Okay? Yes. Some days it's hard to be here. Some days it's hard to do all those things, but life isn't easy and it's made easier by Jesus. So this is the opportunity for us ladies to get closer to God. We're going closer to each other as well. There is a cost associated with it. It's $175 for new people who haven't done it before. If you have before, your returning fee is going to be $100. We're starting on the 11th of this month. That's next week, y'all. Christmas is in two weeks. Women of Valor starts next week on the 11th all right listen i encourage you to do it if you're a lady if you haven't done it before i know that's kind of a high cost you're going to get a lot of materials that's going to help you through your walk with jesus you can see me you can see pastor kelly if that's an issue for you we want you to draw closer to jesus we want you to be closer with all the women i have plenty of experience with women of valor you can ask any woman in here because pretty much all of them i have come to plenty of times where i'm like listen i'm going through something i need prayer right this minute and they drop what they're doing and they pray or i'm struggling with something right now that i know the bible is telling me how to do it i've been doing this my whole life but i'm still struggling and these women pray for you and they help you get through it and you grow in your own relationship with Jesus. So I encourage you to think about it. You can talk to me, talk to Pastor Kelly, pretty much any woman in here can tell you how to do that, but I encourage you to do it if you can. Amen. Amen. So y'all, we're going to go out this week. We're going to have a blessed week. We're going to spend time with our family. We're going to read the Bible and we're going to pray and worship Jesus because no matter what happens, God is our firm foundation. He's going to be with us. Amen. Let me pray over you one more time before we leave. Okay? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for everything that you've done. Go with us. Be with us as we go through today and go through this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. You're amazing.